has penned this letter, his hand guided by the Holy Spirit. Every word, every word is selected by the Holy Spirit. He has been encouraging us in a very, and Peter is writing in a very hostile environment, the Roman Mediterranean world, even in the Jewish community, there's great opposition to what Peter and the other apostles are saying because Jesus, God the Son, Jesus of Nazareth, God the Son, has come in the flesh. Now, I would encourage you to uh, do something to benefit yourself. And that is go back to the Old Testament and read through the history of Israel. If you've never done that, one of the things that will overwhelm you is the incessant rebellion of the Jewish people, the Israeli people, against their Lord. By the way, I'm not saying they're any worse than anybody else. If they were Swedes or Scots or French or Spanish, they would have been doing the same thing. Why? Because as fallen people, we want to serve ourselves, left to ourselves, left alone. I cited a little bit earlier this fellow Isaiah. Isaiah was just a regular old Jewish fellow who in the year that King Uzziah died saw the Lord high and lifted up and he saw the worship of the Lord and he saw this and what was his response? I am undone. I've got no hope for I am a man of unclean lips. I have actually spoken words of worship to pagan gods. I've actually given glory that belonged to God to other people. I've actually said things about God that were not true. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm dwelling in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Oh, no. Now I can see what I've done. And the Lord resolved his problem. And then recruited him. Enlisted him as a prophet and so it was with this fisherman Peter he's just a fisherman and pretty successful one by the way appears he wasn't in need Peter and Andrew they have a boat James and John their dad has a boat they're, they're actually in business together apparently they're doing okay and Jesus called them away from that they left behind that secure income and they became followers of Jesus doing what wasn't native to them. Now they're going to use their fisherman skills with people. I will make you to be fishers of men. But they're being called to a dangerous environment that ultimately Peter is going to be crucified. The Apostle Paul, the writer of so many other letters in our New Testament, will be beheaded for no reason, the same reason for both of them. They were simply loyal to Jesus and telling people the truth about how they could find a welcome with God. And Peter has been saying to us, here's the number one thing you need to do. Be people of the word, be people of the word, be people of the word. 
live in that environment of God's truth. Feed on his food every day. The word we translate repent, metanoia, means change your outlook. Change what you value. As you read God's word, and this is what Peter has already said to us, as you read God's word, your outlook and the things that you're, you value will change. And you know what? You will look back and say, I think I'd rather have been that fellow Peter who got crucified upside down than that guy Nero who was the Roman emperor. I think I'll take Peter because Peter stepped into kingdom glory. Nero ended up having to commit suicide because he didn't want to fall into the hands of the Praetorian Guard who might actually torture him to death. They were on his trail. And yet, as Peter is writing, the emperors are everybody, you know, the standard Roman outlook as well. The emperor is the guy that has it all together. Oh, no, 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 no. Peter, Andrew, James, John. Saul of Tarsus, who became the Apostle Paul, Barnabas, they're the ones that have it all together. Why? Because they're going to be stepping into kingdom glory. Don't ever let that escape your grip. I've got kingdom glory awaiting me, no matter what the cost. And Paul, Peter has not been diminishing the cost. It is a costly thing. When we read Psalm 34, it is a costly thing. But it's worth whatever price I have to pay because I will be stepping into kingdom glory. Peter is speaking to the church, but these people have come from a Gentile background. They've come from a Jewish background. And they're fallen people. They're, they want to make things go their way. They want to manipulate people and situations in a way that they will serve what they think are their purposes, their benefits. We prayed just a moment ago for a young man who's doing what? Trying to manipulate life in a way that what he thinks is serving his best purposes and what's happening is blowing up in his face. He may end up in jail. How does, that wasn't the plan. That wasn't the plan. And our jails and prisons are full of people that, that wasn't the plan. I was going to be the guy that got away with it. And I didn't. God is the only one who can step us into undiluted blessing. That's the prospect. That's the promise before us. And that is what Peter has been emphasizing. And he said to us, back in chapter 2, which opened this part of the letter, where Peter is going to be addressing certain specific areas, and we've looked at some of those areas, but he says in chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims. Sojourners and pilgrims aren't at home. They're on a path as sojourners and pilgrims, but a pilgrim especially has a destination. He has his eyes set on... <coughs> and of course, one of the most famous Christian books ever... You know, what the, it, you know what the most printed 
Christian book is outside the Bible? Pilgrim's Progress. Pilgrim's Progress, by far, written in the 1680s. Pilgrim's Progress has sold multiple, multiple, multiple millions, and it has been translated into almost every language on the planet. And what is it about? The pilgrim, he has his eyes on the celestial city. That's where he's going. Ladies and gentlemen, you have a celestial city awaiting you. Walk your pilgrimage. Do your pilgrimage. One step at a time with Jesus. Don't try to race and do the whole thing at once. No. Don't try to force things. Walk meekly. Walk with Jesus. Don't run ahead. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul that tear you apart, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they observe. Oh, that fellow Vincent. Wow. I just saw him do an act of kindness. I wouldn't have done that. Wow. He's been telling me about the kind God. By the way, the only kind God the world knows anything about is the guy who discloses himself in the Bible. Every other God, any other pagan God, is a wicked God. And they don't pretend anything else. This is the only good God. I saw a man who talks about a good God act in a good way. Maybe I better find out more about what he's been saying. Because I wouldn't have done that. That they may by your good works which they observe glorify God in the day God shows up. Oh man, I'm so glad I paid attention to Vincent. Or, dang, I wish I paid attention. He's visiting. He's coming. Your response will be based on how you previously responded to the message. So Christians, Peter says, be people who are incessant with the word. Be that example. Be that speaker speaking God's words to people. Words of encouragement. Authentic promises that they can trust. Authentic declarations about what the authentic, the true and living creator God is like. Verse, beginning in verse 13 through 17, as we touched on it last week. Therefore, submit to the government. Now, you don't worship Nero, even though he tells you he wants to be worshipped. You don't, but you don't murder. You don't steal. You keep the moral code that is common to every culture. Every culture tries to keep the murder and theft and so on. They want to keep the crime rate down. Even Nero had a vested interest in keeping the crime rate down. Don't be criminals. Verses 18 to 25 is you servants, you slaves, and if you were a slave in the Roman world, you were legally a non-person. Your owner could literally take you out to the sidewalk, bash your head in with a club, and walk away. 
you had no legal protection at all as a slave. But what are you to do? You are to serve your master with a willing and kind heart looking for ways to serve him he hasn't even asked, or her, in ways they haven't even asked for. Be willing servant. Wait a minute. If I was a slave of me, and I'd been treating me the same way I've treated them, I wouldn't be being kind to me. What do they know? What frees them to be able to serve me with a willing, glad heart instead of with resentment? Because if it was, if I, if, if we were trading places, yeah, I'd be doing it, but I'd be full of resentment. What do they know? This is a gospel authenticator. And what does free us, by the way, is the knowledge that in serving them, whatever you've done to one of these, least of these little ones, Jesus says, you've done to me. In serving e even my unfair master, I'm serving Jesus. And when I come into his presence, he is going to just empty the pantry on me. He's going to He's going to give me far more than I could ever imagine in blessing. And now chapter 3, verse 1. New material. Wives. Well, let's look at that. In the Mediterranean world and in this world and in our culture, wives, likewise, in the same way that the slaves are to submit to their masters, and we're to submit to the government. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. When God created Adam, he created Adam, and then he created Eve out of a rib from his side. They are one creation. By the way, that's huge. As bad as things can be in this world today, where it's male dominance versus female Imagine how bad it would be if they were two separate creations. God deliberately made them one creation, and they are both bearing God's image. It's very important. The value of females is not less than the value of males, but the roles differ, and the roles right from the day of creation differed. Adam, who blew it as royally as he could possibly blow it in the garden, he was supposed to be the pr protector, provider, he was supposed to stand between the serpent and Eve. He completely blew it. But that was still his role. And that is still the husband's role today. He is to be the provider, protector of his wife. And she is to recognize that and respect that role he's playing. Now, there was this, there's this fellow spoken of in the book of Acts, and he's a recipient of two of Paul's letters, Timothy. Timothy was the son of a Jewish woman who had come to faith in Christ. And Timothy, when Paul and Barnabas meet him, he is a vigorous disciple of the Lord Jesus, but his father was a pagan Greek. His father was a pagan Greek. His mother is a Jewish woman who's come to faith. He's come to faith, and he's they're both roaring disciples, but she's still in this role of being the wife of a pagan 
Gentile. What was her testimony to be to him? Treat him with respect. Do you have to agree with him to respect him? No, but I can respect his role. I can respect the place that God has given him in my life. And do you think that might get his attention? Do you think that might? Because that was not how the Gentile Mediterranean world was. There was a lot of mess going on. And she had, we assume the mother of Timothy, had that testimony with her husband. And that's what he's saying here. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, even if they're unbelievers, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. Don't try to argue them into the kingdom. <laughs> Don't do it. But behave like Jesus, and they will start growing elephant ears. They will want to hear or draw conclusions from your behavior that will draw them to Christ. So that is your testimony, is by your actions. That they may without a word be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct, not, nor, not regular in the Mediterranean world, Roman Mediterranean world. No, chastity was not what they were noted for. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by, now my New King James reads, fear, respect. Respect. In Paul's letter to the Ephesians, husbands, love your wives. <coughs> wives, respect your husbands. I've got a great series sitting in my home. Uh, came out about 15 years ago called Love and Respect. Women want love. Men want respect. And if a wife respects her husband, she will get his attention. And if a husband loves his wife, puts her needs ahead of his own, she likewise will start paying more and better attention to him. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. It's not about your wardrobe. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle, also can be translated meek, a gentle, a meek, and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. A meek person, a gentle person, isn't somebody who's demanding their rights. They're letting God have the freedom or their husband have the freedom to do for them what needs to be done. Of course, our Lord Jesus is one of his, the eight Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, is blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Did you know that he is actually quoting David from a thousand years before? David in his psalm, Psalm 37, 
which is a lengthy psalm, he is out in the wilderness. He's been getting chased around by King Saul for many years. And he starts this psalm and he says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. <coughs> David had a couple of opportunities, at least, to, to accelerate the process of going to the throne. Twice he had opportunities to kill King Saul, and he refused to do it. Instead, he walked with meekness. This is God's promise. I'm going to let God fulfill his promise according to his ways. I'm not going to reach forward and aggressively grab the blessing he's promised. God's the promiser. He's the promise keeper. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So that when David became the king, he was able to take that throne without having to apologize to anybody. <clears throat> he had not made it happen. And Jesus says the same thing. Let God have room to do his work. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And what does Peter say here? You are to have a meek, a gentle, and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own masters. And let me give you an extreme version of it, an extreme example, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him, Lord, my Lord. Okay, you guys who are married, uh, what if you walked in the door and your wife met you at the door with, hello, Lord. <laughs> would that surprise you? <laughs> well, also, what would it incite from you? Hmm, maybe I need to take my leadership responsibilities more seriously in serving my wife. Sarah called Abraham Lord, and by the way, they had a splendid relationship for many decades. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror, don't be animated by the threats. Be animated by God's promise. Husbands, uh-oh, and all the guys just said, uh-oh, he's going from preaching to meddling. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, the one whom you are obligated to defend and provide for. You are to dwell with them with understand. Oh, man, these women, they're just so nuts. I can't. No. Study. Men, study your wife. What is it about her that she really loves? How can I entreat her? How can I treat her in a way that incites respect from her and love from her? I need to study out this person. If you take a job at a business, isn't wisdom finding out what your employer prefers? And so it is, husbands, 
dwell with your wife. She's not your employer, but he is someone, she is someone you want to have a good, powerful relationship with, where you're meeting one another's needs in ways that brings you both joy. Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. The, the life that you have is a grace, a gift from God that your prayers may not be hindered. Hey, Lord, I just I keep praying and praying and praying about this, and uh, I'm not getting an answer. I'm not going <clears> to... <throat> uh, well, uh, have you been... Why should I listen to you when you won't listen to your wife? Oh. Moving right along. No. <laughs> no. You want God to hear you? You need to hear those who are walking in dependence upon you. You need to hear them and be responsive to them. Finally, all of you in the congregations that I'm writing to, in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, in all these congregations who are reading this letter, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be curious. This is how you, in your congregational life, are to be with one another. Love, having compassion, having love, being as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous. And there are a lot of various cultures. When he says be courteous, they're having to <clears throat> observe sometimes in kindness other people's cultures in the, in the church meeting. One of the things that uh, when our daughter and son-in-law and their kids were all with us, they, they were practicing the Malaysian culture. As they walked in our front door, they took their shoes off. Because in Asia, in Russia, you don't wear shoes in somebody's house. You take them off at the door. You are insulting them if you walk into their house with your shoes on. And we like, well, I mean, my feet look clean to me. No, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. You conform to their culture, as long as it's not something forbidden in God's word, you conform to their culture, because you don't want to be raising issues and dealing with issues that are unnecessary. So you conform to one another's culture. You submit to one another in love. I'm not going to deliberately do things that are going to offend you unnecessarily. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this. So even if there is a conflict in the congregation, you don't respond to someone else's spite with spite. Instead, you respond with blessing, that you may inherit a blessing. And here he is quoting from the psalm that we've already read earlier today. For he who would love life and see good days, who's in favor of having a, love, a life that they love and having a good, pleasant day? I think we can all raise our hands for that. Okay. He who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. More damage is done 
by a mouth than by a fist or a kick. More damage is done. And the wounds that are spoken, that are inflicted with the mouth, are the wounds that stay for years and years and years. Ladies and gentlemen, I can tell you right now, I am almost daily confronted by Satan with things I said to people literally decades ago that still, now I have to deal with it. He is the accuser of the brethren, who accuses the brethren day and night before the throne of God, but he also stands day and night on my shoulder accusing me. So I know I need, but I tell you what, the things that I said to people are the things I remember and truly afflict my soul because they were the things that truly harmed them. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and we're all tempted to it. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace in relationships and pursue it. Seeking that peace in a relationship, pursue that. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. The eyes of God's favor are on those who are authentically seeking to be imitators of Jesus. For the eyes of the Lord are Look with favor on the righteous, those who are getting it right. And his ears are open to their prayers. What did he say just a few verses before? Is God going to listen to the prayer of a man who isn't listening to his wife? No, he's not. Is God going to hear our prayers or look on us with favor? If we are not seeking peace and pursuing peace with our fellows, other members of our congregation or our community as best we can in the power of his Holy Spirit. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Lord, I keep praying, I keep praying, and you keep not answering, not answering, not answering. Well, are you hearing the desires of those who surround you whose desires you can meet? And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? It just simply won't make any sense for them to harm you. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. So, what we call persecution, that is unjust treatment to just people but guess what God is going to deliver you from that and he is going to walk you into kingdom blessing that is going to way 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 outweigh the affliction you've experienced and in fact in fact it will be a cause of further reward on God's part for you and who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, blessed are you. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. Are they going to threaten you? Seek to intimidate you? Absolutely don't accept the intimidation. 
but sanctify the Lord God, set apart the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Not with a snotty attitude, but with meekness and fear. Well, you're asking me about a, God, about a gospel of grace. I will tell you, I needed grace. Let me tell you about the gospel of grace you've asked me about. Why am I able to speak to you with, a, with grace when you've mistreated me? Because a God of grace tracked me down and treated me with grace. Even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed, and do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify, set apart the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. What do you know that I don't know that gives you the freedom to serve other people, to treat me with kindness when I abused you? What do you know that I don't know? Answer the gospel. I am a God, I am a creature who abused God, who disobeyed God, who cursed God. And he sought me out, pulled me out of the thorns, threw me on his shoulders, and brought me home on his shoulders rejoicing. Having a good conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. Just this Sunday school hour before our worship time, we were looking at an episode where Paul and Barnabas uh, met with a Roman government official. Sergius Paulus was the Roman governance official who happened to have a demon-possessed uh, court jester who opposed what Paul and Barnabas were saying. But Sergius Paulus wanted to know the truth and his court jester, demon-possessed court jesters over here attacking the message of Paul and Barnabas and Paul turns to him and rebukes him and calls down blindness on that court jester, that spiritual advisor who was demon-possessed. And the man instantly became blind and Sergius Paulus stepped into the kingdom. Having a good conscience and then when they defame you as evildoers, which is exactly what Elymas were, was saying, were saying of Paul and Barnabas, they may Those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed, for it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Is suffering actually going to be part of your walk with Christ? Yes. But it's better to suffer for Christ, suffer because of your loyalty to Christ, suffer in the power and strength and provision of the Holy Spirit than any other kind of suffering because it's going to actually create an audience. When people see you respond like Jesus instead of like you or me, they're going to say, okay, what does she know? What does he know that I don't know that gives them that liberty? 
to respond in a way that is merciful instead of punching me back with the same thing I hit them with. What do they know? And that is the gospel authenticator. That is why a few minutes ago we were playing, praying for our brothers and sisters around this world who are being persecuted. But their persecution is the very thing that God is using to cause gospel explosion. I just saw this morning on the internet an account of two women in Iran who spent many years in prison because of their loyalty to Jesus, who led hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other Iranian women to Christ who were likewise in prison with them. And so in the Iranian prisons, here was the gospel exploding through. And as that testimony that we've shared so many times already of Seton Lee, who was shoved into that cell block with 150 men in Cambodia, and they got him out of there after 10 days because most of those men had come to faith in Christ. He was supposed to get beat up and never get out of there. And instead, they got him out and then begged him, please, 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 please give us time to clean our nonsense out of the court records. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because he was turning the prison upside down. Satan always overplays his hand. And you want to be the one whom Jesus uses to take advantage of Satan's overreach. It is so much fun. I remember many years ago in college in the LA area, I was working with a group called Open Air Campaigners. And we would go down on Friday or Saturday nights to Main Street LA or Hollywood Boulevard. And I was talking to a young man my own age and <clears throat> claimed to be Jewish, I don't doubt that. And he, oh, that, 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 Isaiah 53, that's really about Israel, that's not Jesus. Oh, please. <laughs> I didn't even bother. I just said, well, tell me this. In Zechariah chapter 12, it speaks of, it says, thus says the Lord, da, 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 da. I will come over at the Jerusalem that is surrounded by its enemies. This is prophetic. This is yet future to us. This is the second coming of Christ being described in Zechariah 12, 13 and 14. It is the most graphic portrayal, believe me, of the second coming. Jerusalem is surrounded by the armies of all the world. They're there to destroy the Jews. And thus says the Lord, I will rip open the heavens, come out, and they will look on me whom they pierced and mourn for him as for an only son. And I will pour out on them a spirit of repentance, a spirit of grace and of supplication, and they will separate themselves from one another, and they will mourn, and they will repent, and I will open, chapter 13, verse 1, I will open for them a fountain of cleansing. And I ask this fellow, they will look on me whom they pierced. Who is that? There's only one person in all of Jewish history that can be. Let his blood be on us and on our children. Jesus of Nazareth was the only person in all of Jewish history that the Jewish people as a whole said, let his blood be on us and on our children. And the Holy Spirit, pow! sucker punch that guy. There is no other person it can be. Messiah is Jesus of Nazareth. 
I honestly, I felt like a bystander. I'm not telling you that to tell you how smart I was. I'm telling you like, how cool is that? Because the Lord had just showed me that passage a couple days before. Because <laughs> he knew what he was going to do. And God will make you more useful than you could have ever imagined by the simple act of handing the lordship of your life over to him and serving one another in love. Our Father, we ask that you would enable us to do what we left to ourselves cannot do. Walk in the power of your Holy Spirit who dwells within us. If we're authentic believers, we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We thank you for that, and we are his power is present with us to be imitators of Jesus, to actually do what he would do. And we ask that you would enable us to do that this week. Every one of us here is asking for a single gospel opportunity with somebody in the store or wherever that you will simply throw the door open and we will have that opportunity and that you will be the one inciting it and pulling the words out of our mouths that they need to hear. We ask for this. We ask that you would enable wives to submit to their husbands and husbands to dwell with their wives according to knowledge. We ask this of you, good shepherd Jesus, who enables us to do all things according to his word. In your name we pray, Jesus, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.